Welcome to the Body Track Academy podcast created by EPs for EPs. The podcast will take you on an in-depth understanding of everything an EP is faced with on a day-to-day basis, including clinical, personal and business practices to ensure you become the best practitioner possible. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, follow us on whatever streaming service you use to ensure the message spreads and you are notified of any new podcasts or educational resources available to you. Furthermore, if you're not already part of our online academy, head over to Facebook and join the Body Track Academy. Happy listening. All right, happy Thursday, Associates. We have another thrilling podcast to present to you today. Uh, I have Nicole in here with me today. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Dan. How are you going? Pretty good this Thursday. Excellent. So today, I believe we're going to tuck into another case study, which is something we've been doing a little bit more of recently. Um, we'll get straight into it. Uh, can you tell us a bit of a background information about this uh, client that you've been seeing recently? Absolutely. So this was a uh, young, sort of early 30s aged female who was referred to me by a physio uh, up the road from us, another company we work quite closely with. Um, interesting case, essentially history of an undefined autoimmune condition, which associated with uh, chronic fatigue, lower limb weakness, muscle aches, um, and some right upper limb neural symptoms as well. Uh, and then she got COVID and right. that seems yep. to have triggered or exacerbated her symptoms. Right. So we're talking about a very topical, I guess, uh, case study at the moment, something mm-hmm. that, um, we're seeing a lot more research come out about with um, effects from COVID and long COVID in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, it was sort of a well, very new space to be working with. The physio felt she'd kind of got her to a point where she, exercise could now play a role. Uh, they t- took a long time to figure out what she was responding to. Ultimately, mm-hmm. she responded well to physical therapy to the point where she had her own foam rolling triggering regime she was doing for hours in the day just so she could get around the house or walk from the car to the front door of the supermarket. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, what was that initial handover like from the physio as well? Did they give you kind of the extensive history about how long that client had been seeing that physio for, um, kind of their capabilities? What, what was that first interaction like? I think it's just important for the associates to to know what to ask as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the handover was quite brief. Um, I could see who the physio was, how long she'd been seen her for, um, and I suppose a brief summary of the condition per se, but I wasn't overly familiar with either. So I went back to contact the physio company and just asked to set up a phone conversation. Yeah. So I had a good chat to the physio. It was really good to get an idea of what she thought was going on, what she felt uh, this client responded well to, and even just her thoughts on like kind of where to from here. Um, ultimately, physios can prescribe exercise, but she felt, I think, a change of space and potentially even just a different opinion um, or different, you know, outlook on this condition might be sure. helpful for this client as well. Mm. Uh, and it seems that the client was also starting to request, or is there something else I can start to do now? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that was where the handover came on. I think that's a really good point to address there is um, you've done a good job and it sounds simple and probably all the associates out there are doing this anyway, but just reflect on that moment of how the preparation, Nicole, that you've gone through and how that would then um, have the first impression for that client coming to see you. Very, very different outlook if you were to see them the first time having mm-hmm. no handover and then they have to explain their whole story again because that could be quite traumatizing for yep. them as well. True. Yep. Um, given the circumstance, whether it be whatever condition they have, in this case being 
effects of long COVID um, and an autoimmune flare-up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something to, as, a, as a first kind of take-home is the power of uh, preparation and collaboration with Allied Health. Remember the model where a client is centre and then everyone in the Allied Health team is kind of surrounding them. That's really what you're trying to do and be holistic in that nature as well. Big difference to say, why are you here? To I know why you're here, and I've got all this information. Absolutely. Is this correct? How can we go from there? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So let's go. You just had the handover of the Allied Health. Um, done all that. Talk us through um, as in depth as you want to about that initial assessment. So. Um, was it in clinic? Was it objective testing that you did? Just give us a bit of a brief going through that. So the initial assessment was meant to be in clinic. That was all booked, ready to go. She had a flare-up, but she still right. wanted to continue with the initial assessment um, due to getting into the calendar and things like that, but also getting started. Mm. So she actually contacted the clinic and asked, "Can we? is it still possible to do a telehealth or an over-the-phone? Wow, um, right. Yeah, so I made the call that, yes, it would be okay. Uh, I've done many initial assessments by telehealth before. Yep. And to be honest, I didn't think we'd be doing that many physical objective um, assessments per se based mm. on her symptoms. Um, mm. At this stage, anything lower limb related was triggering a massive flare-up in the lower limbs. Yeah, right. So even the thought of a 30-second sit-to-stand or a five-time sit-to-stand, yeah. I was worried. I... Mm. You know, this is your first ever contact with a new client. The last thing you want you to do, them to do is go into a massive flare-up and you'll be the one that sent them into that spiral. Yep. So I was more than happy to do the initial assessment via telehealth. And right from the outside, once, it's, once it started, I said, look, a lot of this will be subjective. I'm trying mm. to get your understanding and your, I suppose, experience. You know your body the best and what's happened. So I could build a plan based on what we could currently sure. do. I think that's uh, another thing to, to just reflect on there as well i think when clients come to see you they expect um from the initial assessment well perhaps not all but most clients will expect something that they can take home and have objective objectified right yep. so hey i got this score or i got this not in all cases but that would be a very tricky thing to navigate as well saying you know we're not going to be doing any objective it's going to be subjective um and you know, going as uh, if you if you kind of think about co- clients coming to see us, we're exercise physiologists. We're mm-hmm. we're people who will provide baselines and your baseline of where you're at, and then how you can improve physically. But this is all subjective. So, was there any ways that you kind of talked around that? Uh, you've already said that it will be subjective only, but highlighted the importance of that conversation initially Mm -hmm. and made the client feel like they're getting value from just doing a subjective assessment? Was there any tricks or points that you raised with this client in particular? Yeah, I was very aware of the value of that initial assessment. Um, Even just in terms of cost, that is our more expensive session because it involves so much more um, work after the session as well. It's also longer and more in Mm -hmm. depth. So subjective was comprehensive. Mm -hmm. I tried to find out how much she could do currently physically. So what was her day-to-day activity looking like? What was her current regime? Mm-hmm. Um, what worked? What didn't work? What relieved? What aggravated? Um, if she was to put a number on how far she thinks she could walk before she felt symptoms or thought she would trigger herself, what would that distance roughly be? So I suppose I was getting estimated objective data from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the biggest thing I sp- was trying to build her confidence in me, mm-hmm. not um, trying to create smoke and mirrors and telling her that I was a guru and that I'd done all these un, you know, you know, 
immune conditions, undefined conditions before, mm. or that I'd seen plenty of these post-COVID cases because I hadn't. Yeah. yeah, so there's a bit of vulnerability there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, w- I was up front, but I didn't want to come across as saying that I had no idea what I was doing. Correct. It was more yeah. of a case of saying, I haven't seen this case before, but mm. based mm. on what I've done in the past and what we see, the power of exercises, addressing the person in front of us, allowing them to do what they can do, and slowly over time using the exercise to increase capacity yeah. and desensitize the body to things that otherwise might be aggravating. Fantastic. And again, comes back to something that we really um, endorse in our team here and for associates there is treat the person, not the condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exactly what you've done there. I think another point from that that's really good to take away uh, is, Nicole, you've had years of experience of being an EP. Um, you've had multiple assessments for multiple different conditions. And for you to actually be vulnerable and be like, I don't know everything about this. Mm-hmm. Um, a very good message to all EPs out there because we can get caught up in thinking that we need to know absolutely everything and about every condition. Otherwise, we're not knowledgeable enough to do a, a comprehensive assessment. But you've just turned it around very um, in, in a perfect way there so that a client can feel valued, uh, they're being heard, and you're really just being upfront and saying, I don't know nothing, I know some, but I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And how am I going to then navigate this with the client to ensure that they're at the right place to get the right outcomes? Um, And you've used exercises, your kind of arsenal there and and the the self-reported objective to to feel, to get them to feel like they are on the right pathway. Um, and I think also trying to um, highlight the progress had already made. Correct. So the physio yeah. and her had made really good progress and getting to the point where like she was bedridden. She literally could not walk to mm. the end of her house. And mm. then she eventually built up some tolerance or essentially built some capacity. She probably didn't realize, but essentially through activities of daily living yeah. because the foam rolling and the physiotherapy enabled her to have less pain. Sure. So she could yeah. do more things, which was building mm. her capacity to the point where she could walk to her front door, mm-hmm. get get to work when she was sitting down all day, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So yep. highlighted that to try to empower her. I don't think um, she needed, needed convincing per se. I think she was on board with the idea of exercise. Yeah. Um, yep. But I think also trying to create realistic expectations, honestly saying, I don't know how long this will take. Yep. It's going to be Good. particularly starting mm. out, very much trial and error and seeing how your body reacts, getting lots of feedback mm. from each session and getting you to track this as well. That was huge for us going forward. Yeah. Now, again, that's not going to work for, for every case that you have, but um, in this scenario where it was almost your, I kind of envisaged it as walking alongside the client and assisting with them and getting feedback from them to then um, put them on the right path to success rather than, I guess, the usual model of care that can exist in medical where it's the patient and then the practitioner and the practitioner tells them, I guess, what to do. So I think you've navigated that really well in terms of um, getting that uh, sense of value and that direction for this client to be really clear with. In saying that though, was there any advice that you did provide during the session? Um, Yep. So I suppose the first task I gave her was to use one of our tools that we've created, which is our fatigue tracker. Yeah, great. Um, Because one of her symptoms is chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, Alongside of that, this significant lower limb fatigue um, and these upper limb neural symptoms. So I wanted to get an idea of what her usual week looked like. Yep. Um, when she had those bouts of fatigue, what kind of movements might trigger them? What times of the day would she be better? So we got an, again. I suppose it was another objective measure. It was just a long term measure. Yeah, so definitely. That was the first piece of advice I gave her. Was I needed you to do this mm. so I get a, a snapshot of your week beyond just this, you know, initial assessment. Yep. 
And it kind of, was there anything around activity pacing that you discussed or was mm. that things that you brought up as well? Um, was there any, I know there's a few models out there that can be used. Was that applied or is it more very just much uh, relevant to what this client was feeding back to you from these tools that you used? So again, I felt she had a pretty good understanding of what her capacity was. Sure. And she yeah. knew what sent things off and what didn't. So she was almost naturally pacing herself, but mm-hmm. I definitely highlighted that after we introduced the fatigue tracker. Because I explain what's it for, helps us identify if there are any boom busts or any patterns. Yeah. Um, what do we do with that information? Mm. Well, we then might go into activity pacing, um, interval work and things like that. Right. So post initial assessment. Mm. Uh, has this client started coming in? Yes. Or I still think, some telehealth? Or? I'm just trying to think. It was maybe one other telehealth and then we got her in, into the clinic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then getting her into, yeah, some sort of exercise. Right. What was that first telehealth like after the assessment then? It, one of the things I picked up from her initial assessment was she mentioned an old rotator cuff injury, a okay. shoulder injury. Yep. Because um, mm-hmm. I asked her, what kind of equipment do you have at home? Oh, I've got those stretchy bands. I used to mm-hmm. do exercises with my shoulder from my physio when I had my rotator cuff. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, how long ago was that? She was like, oh, about six months ago. So this was when, in and around when she started having this significant um, impact from COVID as well. So when she right. started seeing the, um, had been seeing the other physio too for more hands-on work or thereabouts. So she was actually doing exercise already for her upper limb, but she didn't really class it as exercise. So yes, she was already no. doing a typical sort of rotator cuff exercises, push pulls, variations with the band. So I was like, ah, oh, perfect. So we already have an insight to the fact that she's doing some form of resistance training mm. without exacerbation of her upper limb neural mm. symptoms, nor yep. her lower limb or just general fatigue. And it's so important to highlight that so they're realizing that as well, because I guess as they've been doing these exercises for six months, you said about yeah. that? Yeah. It be- kind of becomes like a norm, doesn't yeah. it? But She hadn't actually, progressed them, so she'd been doing the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But to actually, again, reflect and go, you know, you have been bedridden and now you actually can do this. Mm-hmm. It's small, but it's a big achievement, isn't it? Yeah. So highlighting that importance. Right. So during that session then, was there t- discussion around, particularly around the shoulder and progressing that? Yeah. So mm-hmm. these right upper, upper limb symptoms were, they were interesting ones and particularly just tend to appear when she overdid it. So, um, and not usually related to exercise, usually related to ADL. So wiping down the bench, I mean, washing windows is a bit extreme, but maybe carrying heavy shopping bags or something like that. Um, and she did have a little brace for her hand, which helped to manage symptoms if there was a flare up. But we start, I started her off. I said, look, I want you to take me through basically all the exercises that you've been doing for the mm. upper limb. Um, so I could check out her technique. Um, there was a bit of advice and tweaking of, of technique for a few things, getting some feedback on how demanding it was. What was your RPE on each of them? Uh, it definitely was a weakness on your right side. We did them both left and right. I got her to do a few things bilaterally to see if there was much of a difference. The ones that they weren't too bad, I got her to keep doing them bilaterally. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there was a particular action, like the single arm straight arm pull down, we did unilateral. Yep. Um, and we, I said to her, look, we know that there's a pretty good outcome with these so far, or no exacerbation, should I say. Mm. Let's start with these and we'll gradually build these up. Mm. Um, that was something at least I could get her doing and it felt like she was doing some work. And then I said, and the plan is with lower limb, we're going to slowly start introducing activation. Yeah, great. So we started off with, I think it was even um, like quad hamstring isometrics. Okay. um, And seated calf raises. Yep. Uh, And yeah, really, and glute bridges. So some nice low intensity exercises Mm -hmm. just to get some activation. I kept it to basically one exercise per major muscle group. 
So if we did have a flare-up, we could potentially get an idea of which one might have done Yeah, it. yeah. You're looking at all your variables in, in that case, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let, let's go forward, I guess, uh, in terms of a couple of sessions down the track. Yep. Was there any times where this client reported um, significant flare-ups from a, perhaps an exercise that you had that you prescribed, wasn't really working out, changed tact? Is mm-hmm. there any of those situations that occurred? Well, you mentioned before about like walking alongside the patient as opposed to sort of telling them what to do. So I gave her ranges for everything, which I right. normally don't give such a range because <laughs> I like to give clients like direction yeah. and they like hard and fast answers. Should I do 10 or should I do 12? Mm. Oh, it doesn't really matter. If we're trying mm. to progress, sure, mm. we can add one or two reps perhaps each week. Yeah. Um, but for her, I gave her a rep range of between like four to six, okay. um, like yep. a space of, so it might be, I say aim to do six to 10 of these, mm. uh, lower limb wise, we tended to be in that lower rep starting point and mm. then we gradually increase. And then I said to her, you're the best person to know how it's feeling. Mm. So she'd get fatigued pretty quickly during, and she could feel that cause she'd re- relate it to, um, activities at home. So if she was squatting up and down to pick things up, she could feel that almost instant, burn or feel in the in the legs that we sure. were getting some build yeah. up of byproduct or something that was happening in the legs. So she could get that sensation. Mm. So she could guide herself in terms of going, I feel comfortable doing six glute bridges for today. Yeah. Um or in the set, happy to do another six, but I just don't want to do ten. Mm. So I let her guide a lot of that and that worked brilliantly. So yeah. it allowed for not necessarily to, to deflect blame or anything like that. So I wasn't, you know, the reason that she did or have a flare up. Mm. I was more than happy to say from the start we're going to try these things. But it meant when I couldn't see her every day, when she was doing those daily sessions at home, she could kind of titrate and moderate her activity volume based on how she was feeling. Yeah. And it allowed for, we did have flare-ups, absolutely, and it was just because she said, I think I just did a, did a few too many. And so we'd, we'd change up the next day or she might have a day off and then go back the next day and that tended to fix it. Fantastic. So, I yeah. think you've tapped into something really important that you probably haven't spoken about. But again, what I'm drawing from that is you're improving this person's self-confidence this uh, their adherence to exercise and their own direction um and autonomy mm. so you're really tapping into that really well and again sometimes that is the role of an ex-phys you, you don't always have to be the the person that has to tell them exactly what to do and exactly what you said with the mm-hmm. uh rep ranges uh does it really matter 10 to 12 not in this instance it's yeah. about what is capable because not every day is the same it's not going to be linear they're not going to be linear improvements um there's going to be days and the difference there, if if you were, perhaps would be the case with just spitballing ideas here, mm-hmm. but if you were the one to say, no, exactly this, stick to this, you must do this, um, and they were getting flare-ups, who knows? Perhaps this client was going, well, hang on, you've told me to do this. Yep. I've had a flare-up. I can now shift blame on you, maybe, yep. perhaps. And perhaps, like yep. we've seen that before in our oh, careers. Yeah. Um, and it's just drawing away from that dependency from the client. So, again, Nicole, you, you've highlighted a really important thing there about walking alongside the patient and being a part of their progression, not always uh, being in front on the path and saying, go this way, go that. You are facilitating them and a lot of, lot of different um uh, qualities uh, enhance that, like I was saying before, with confidence, autonomy, the list goes on mm-hmm. and that builds adherence. Um, so it's great. And that that example that you provided of having a flare-up, they're realizing and having a uh, self-awareness to go, actually, it's probably me that actually pushed it too far mm-hmm. rather than, no, my EP told me to do that. Yeah. So very good. Very, very good distinction. I um, think we might push on how long you've been seeing the client now, sorry? It's now been four months. Four months. Yeah. Okay. 
We'll start to finish up here with talking about what you've noticed mm-hmm. in terms of progressions, um, whether there's actually been the capacity now to do objective assessments um, of our of standard functional testing that we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we kind of at the moment from, you know, day one yep. to four months down the track? What have you noticed? So this client has actually moved um, out of Brisbane now. Mm-hmm. So she's moved up the coast um, but was really keen to keep going with sessions because she was so happy with the progress. So, of course, we just continue with telehealth now. Um, just to throw a curveball and amongst the mix, of course, there was a move involved there. Oh, yeah. Um, so we all always, know, yes. isn't moving more <laughs> stressful than like a divorce yeah. and all the other like life <laughs> things put together? Yep. So, um, she, I forecasted that that would probably be an increase in flare up. Planning and, prep again. Yep, yep. And I just said, look, be aware on, in the leaks, in the weeks leading up, um, whilst you're finishing up work, um, whilst you're trying to pack a house and your mm. daily tasks might all of a sudden increase physically mm. if you're packing boxes yourself we might look to drop off that session for the day perfect so yeah. and it worked well so yeah. yep she's like yeah i had to pack the lounge i'm, I'm pretty sore i just took another day off it's okay i know i know i'll recover so all of a sudden yeah. a quicker recovery as well very so, proactive very yeah. proactive from you rather than being reactive a really good point there i've yep. moved house many times too so, uh, <laughs> you know the yeah, you know what yeah. it's like <laughs> but um but absolutely so she was prepared for that and I had, had the permission to not do her exercises that day. She still has like her management exercises. She gets up each morning. And another thing I didn't talk about, but we trialed out and I threw some ideas around was kind of like her daily management tool. Right. Um, and particularly now, she's really sick of foam rolling all the time. Mm. It's a good management tool. She responds to physical therapy, but it's tiring and it's daily takes up time. Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, okay. why don't we try reduce it down to two days a week? And she'd already accidentally done that and said, oh, it wasn't too bad. It's Right. I feel mm. the difference, but it's manageable. Mm. So we're now down to two days or every second day for sort of the physical self-release work. Okay. Yep. Um, she still does her morning routine where she does a few floor exercises that had worked really well. We'd split her program in half to like a morning, get things going, mm. and then like a day later in the day. She also has like a warm shower in the morning. That was She figured that out. That helps. Okay. Uh, kind of warms yep. up her legs. Yep. But I've said, let's try reduce those morning exercises to just one set of each. So it's quicker. And she can get into her day quicker. And not that I don't want an exercise to become all of her life. It's mm. working really well at the moment, but ultimately now her goals have progressed to being, her first goal was just, I just want to feel a little bit more normal. That was her only goal. Yep. There was no expectation or anything wonderful. Mm. Uh, she just wanted to feel a little bit more normal. Right. So we reflected on that last week when I saw her via telehealth, big tech. I, I spent some time on addressing the fact we had achieved the goal she'd set and mm. we got a set of new ones. Um, I haven't done any more objective measures just yet because we've just introduced um, some squats, yep. body-weighted squats, and some more compound movements into standing calf raises now, um, some greater loads compared to what we were doing. Upper limbs progress really well. We're using uh, free weights at home, ones and two kilo weights for upper limb. Um, the lower limbs just a little bit further behind but mm. progressing well. Fantastic. So four months on. Slow slow progression in this post-COVID, of course, and mm-hmm. just managing. But the key thing there is really just responding to uh, and getting the patient to really self-direct this and being mm. a facilitator of it. Um, pr- preparation, I think, is a key message from here as well. Um, just even what you said there with moving house, preparing for some potential flare-up happening and, you know, hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. with that straight away. Um, so I think from that... Um, any major key take-home points, we may have already addressed it, but anything that um, if you could give one piece of advice to any of the associates out there who may be seeing someone with autoimmune or long COVID or even chronic fatigue, those mm-hmm. things, is there anything that you can uh, provide our listeners with a key take-home? I think it's probably something you identified just before was actually being vulnerable, I think was potentially something I accidentally did. Hmm. It may have got even more by, it's hard to say. 
Um, but I think by being honest with the client, telling them, you know, you're going to be applying experience from X, Y, Z. If, if you haven't seen that condition before, it's okay to, uh, you know, admit that. Um, but still working on pulling from all your experience and all your skills and, and resources to boost their confidence, provide confidence with them, build that rapport and that buy-in and that you'll be there with them alongside them to ride whatever wave that comes. It might not be I, – I admitted to her she progressed a lot quicker than I thought. Yeah. So And I said mm. very much at the start I didn't know how long it would take. So mm. I think honesty, vulnerability plays a huge role with someone who might have a more significant condition or a more debilitating condition than someone who just coming in for some SNC or some weight loss. So. Yeah, definitely. I think um, – as well, there's a good tool. There's a good thought there to ref- look at your toolkit and what resources you had, like you said, and be selective with what you choose there. Eh? Because particularly if you're someone who is objectively driven, I definitely agree with myself being that. Mm-hmm. I like to see improvements in functional outcomes as well as subjective, but I, I probably weight a lot more importance on the functional outcomes. So it also is a time to reflect, go back, what other tools and resources do we have, educational. Um, and I think you've summed it up really well in this podcast uh, and really shining a light on them and using that with your clients. Um, that does us for another podcast Thursday. Ripper. Thank you very much, Nicole. We'll see you again shortly. And as always, give us a like, follow, share, whatever you have to do on all those channels. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. So remember to share, like, or follow to keep updated with all our podcasts and educational resources.